0: What's going on, America? This episode of the Dear America podcast is brought to you by my friends at Black Rifle Coffee. Look, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Drink America's coffee. Stop being a sissy about it. Stop giving your money to these communist coffee organizations that spit in your face and hate everything that you stand for. Go drink America's coffee and support my friends at blackriflecoffee.com today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In the world, and it is worth fighting for. It is worth playing for. And if it takes it, it's worth dying for. For the greatest country that this world has ever seen. All right, what's going on, America? Welcome to the newest episode of the Dear America podcast. Real quick, <laughs> I literally was just scrolling Twitter, uh, right before I got on here, and uh this just in the both runways at the Munich airport are now closed because climate doomsday conspiracy theorists glued themselves onto the. tarmac. (laughs) What is with this gluing yourself thing that is happening across the world? I, I don't get it. Like I understand activists and I understand protests and all these things, but what a way to be seen and heard. Nothing quite says you are fighting the good fight, like putting mashed potatoes on famed paintings, gluing yourselves to walls. And now most recently gluing yourselves to the tarmac of an airport. I, you know, <laughs> this is the world we live in. Ladies and gentlemen, this is where we are. There it is. Okay. So yesterday I was talking about the Georgia elections And I accidentally stumbled onto something. And every once in a while, I kind of do that. Like it wasn't intentional. It wasn't on purpose. But basically, I I don't know what we're going to call this episode, but I I was kind of going through the analytics of the decline of voters uh, in the Herschel Walker Senate race. And I was looking at how many people voted for George Kemp, uh, George Kemp, Governor Kemp, And there was about a two hundred something thousand difference between the people that voted for Kemp being the Republican governor of the of the state of Georgia, and then two hundred thousand plus less people voted for the Republican Senate candidate. And I thought that that was very interesting. And then you know I was just diving into; it. I really wasn't thinking about that a lot. But then this morning I was listening to Charlie talk, and Charlie. Saw the same thing that I did. And so then Charlie started talking about it. And then that made me go and dive a little bit deeper. And then I looked into it, and over 700,000 less people voted for Herschel Walker than voted for Donald Trump in 2020. And then I just started going down a rabbit hole. (laughs) And the things that I found are actually shocking. And the things that I found are there are a lot of things in our culture and our society that are decreasing that seem to be contributing to the increase of these bad things that we're seeing. Marriage is decreasing. Birth rates are decreasing. Literally Chuck Schumer the other day was talking about why we needed to grant amnesty to these 11 million illegal immigrants because America isn't reproducing enough people Also, ironically, he's pro murdering people, but either way, church attendance is down. All of the marriage birth rate voting is down across the board. And it was this weird thing that I stumbled on. And so I was going to talk today about the Twitter files, but honestly, the Twitter files are in such a mess now that now it looks like they're going to have to reissue the Twitter files again because of their FBI lawyer that scrubbed everything. So all of the data really wasn't the real data. And they've got this mole inside their their own new organization that now has been fired, etc. So I'm going to wait a little bit. I'm going to wait a little bit and, and we're going to talk here. But but I found some really interesting data That I think is worth talking about. I think it's going to shock you. I think it's going to blow your mind. And also there's this new report that has come out that basically talks about the psychology of free speech versus censorship and how clinical psychologists are now in firm belief that free speech is better than censored speech. I know crazy, right? All right, so before we get into the numbers of things, I want to read this article that was sent to me. Uh, It's written in the New York Post, and the title of it is, As a Clinical Psychologist, I Believe Free Speech, Not Censorship, Benefits Mental Health. Here's why. I'm going to read the article here. Elon Musk's recent Twitter purchase and his love of free speech have sparked a firestorm of conversations about mental health issues related to hate speech and bullying. Cries for cancellation, deplatforming, content throttling, and other stifling measures are often made in the name of trust and safeties. But these conversations rarely consider free speech's mental health benefits. As a clinical psychologist, I believe that freedom of expression far outshines censorship in terms of well-being. And here are three reasons. Number one, free speech promotes learning and growth. That's very true. I, I've made this argument in my book where division is a good thing was the chapter of it. And the whole purpose of it was through freedom of speech, ideas of talking about ending of slavery, women's rights to vote, all of these things. It all started with speech that people didn't like right off the bat that led to dialogue and sometimes fighting, which led to growth and understanding, which led to a decision that within, therefore, better society. And so I actually think that that's a very good point. All right. Point number two, free speech helps safe spaces. Now I'm going to have to read about this one. Censorship doesn't squash hateful viewpoints. It merely subverts them. This makes it harder to trust that we're accessing others. True views, ironically undermining the concept of a safe space. Oh, it's a very interesting point. So basically with all this cancel culture society, you're kind of getting what 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 a lot of pastors would call the the, you know, the the preacher effect and it's you know the the second you find out somebody's a pastor <laughs> you just not everyone I know we don't deal in absolutes but it is true like the second you find out someone's a pastor you just you you tighten up a little bit almost like mom or dad just walked into the room right like you're not really getting the true thing in leadership this is a big thing too in the military especially say there was a morale event or some kind of you know Party or whatever, the commanding officer may stop in at the very beginning and say, "Thank you guys for everything that you do," and blah 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 blah. But then that, but then that commander, he's leaving. He's leaving because the troops need the ability <laughs> to be able to complain about leadership. This is the, This goes with everything: police, firemen, every high stress thing, or just any job you can imagine. People need the ability to be able to speak what they really feel even if it's just behind closed doors and nobody's ever really going to act on anything somebody needs to say you know what my boss kind of (laughs) sucks i mean you need the ability to do that and what this clinical psychologist is saying is with cancel culture you really aren't getting the real versions of people and who they are you're getting these i don't know robots of just well this is what i'm allowed to say so i'm going to say it Kind of like the uh, infamous Marshawn Lynch interview where he refused to answer any questions, but he showed up to the interview and he just kept he just kept answering, "I'm just here so I don't get fined," and so you you, you never really got to know what Marshawn Lynch thought about anything. Um, okay, and then point number f- point number three. Free speech may reduce anxiety and depression. Now, this is interesting. I got to read this. Free speech might boost resiliency against anxiety and depression in several ways. Verbalizing our internal life increases our sense of control. Putting our thoughts and feelings into language increases our sense of control and self-efficacy. Both of which are protective factors against anxiety and depression. Labeling feelings also helps prevent the uh, amygdala from hijacking. Hijacking a lot of big words in this hijacking our thought process, setting the stage for more clear-headed thinking. Authenticity facilitates social support. Social support is a known protective factor for mental health. When we are forced to hide significant parts of ourselves, we feel inauthentic and isolated. And then last but not least, free speech may increase self-awareness. Self-awareness is essential to mental health. When we habitually hide our thoughts from others, we can become less aware of them ourselves. We are more vulnerable to anxiety and depression when we lack self-awareness due to suppression repression or denial. That is a very interesting thing. Cancel culture is a disease in our country. There is no denying that. I think it is wild and a good wild, but wild nonetheless, that clinical psychologists are now, because cancel culture has become such a massive thing within our society, Now, psychologists, clinical psychologists are now going, you know, let's study the effects of this thing here. I wonder what this has to do with anything. And and, and we see what we've seen a lot of these things that have been, uh, what's the word Uh, I'm I'm looking for, accelerated during the COVID, post-COVID years, right? Now, full transparency, and I heard Matt Walsh say this too, I believe we would have hit here, he said 20 years, I believe in the next 30 years or so. I don't believe it would have been quite as early as 20, but we see that today in today's day and age. We see that there are more jobs than there are people willing to take them. We see people today that will not look for any job that is local. They only want jobs that are remote. I watched the review of the new Oculus Pro 2 or whatever, and it is fascinating. If you want to see the future of where our world is going, go on YouTube right now and just, go, or just search Quest Pro 2. That's the new meta Oculus virtual reality thing. And they've got this thing where it connects with your computer, and when you put the virtual reality on, it literally puts you in like you can be outer space, you can be in a forest, you can be in a log cabin, and it's snowing. And literally, you've got your computer in front of you, but then in front of that, it's got three gigantic screens, so you can put up what you're working on in multiple things. I mean, it truly is something out of a science Fiction film you can literally grab and throw one website you're working on on one of these big like eighty inch TVs inside the oculus you can put uh, your graphs and emails and charts that you're working on in the other one and I don't know you can have uh the office playing silently with subtitles on the other side i I mean it's crazy and then you can even go into these rooms inside the oculus in the metaverse that has avatars in it that are also sitting around on computers, but they're real people too that could be anywhere in the world that some of them could be your friends. Some of them could just be people that you don't know. And it's, it's crazy. It's crazy to think that people want to live that way where they go downstairs in a basement in a work studio per se they put on those Oculus things, and for the next eight hours, they are living in a virtual world where you don't have to actually interact with people. You don't actually have to do anything. DoorDash is literally delivered straight to your door. So you take the only time you take breaks is to go to the bathroom and to grab the food that was left at your doorstep for you uh, to take your lunch break. It is an interesting world that we live in now. And, and, and the thing, the weird thing that has happened, and this is leading into my decline in numbers, so go with me. The weird thing that happened with COVID was COVID was where the government and everybody locked us down. They said, you can't leave your house. You can't go to work. All of us were deemed, well, not all of us, the majority of us were deemed non-essential. And so we kind of formulated this sense of, well, we're kind of stuck here at home. But unlike 30 years ago, where if you'd have been stuck at home, you literally would have gone insane. Now, there are so many technological advances that a lot of people didn't really have that much problem with it. And now you see even more technological advances, like I just told you, to make it to where you can have interaction, although artificial interaction, with people And literally be in the basement in the comfort of your own home. And now the desire to get back to normal life simply doesn't seem to be there. So that leads me to this decline, right? This decline, this trend that I have noticed. So let's go over some things here. Okay. So, first of all, let's go over the decline in marriage. So I just had. I hope she's not listening, but if she is, I'll keep her name out of it. I just had a niece, had a breakup, I guess. Um, and it was over marriage and it was over one party. I won't say which one, one party wanted to get married, have babies, whatever. The other side was, was in no hurry. Didn't really want to do that, et cetera. Now these aren't young, young people, either they're in their mid to late twenties, et cetera. I mean, I had a kid by 22, so either way but it goes along with the trend that we're seeing. And so this is an article by the hill and it says, since the start of the 21st century, the U S marriage rate has declined from more than eight marriages per 1000 down to six marriages per 1000 in the population. So think about that. Every 1000 people, there's only six marriages. So 12 people total. So 12 people out of a thousand get married. (laughs) began comparing, uh, uh, since they began comparing marriage records in the country in 1867, also 70 years ago, a large majority of us household, approximately 80% were made up of married couples in 2020. The proportion of households consisting of married couples fell to 49%. Check this out. Some of the major factors behind the long term decline in the marriage rate have been female education and labor force participation, women's economic independence, and gender equality. America is also experiencing a growing number of w- women and men living alone, as well as increased unmarried cohabitation. Okay, so let's dissect this a little bit. So, Full transparency, I got no problems with women going to work, getting an education, getting a job, doing your thing. I ain't got no problems with it, okay? However, it is a contributing factor to the marriage rate going down. As women get, uh, as this new movement that is going on where this this female empowerment movement, again, I got no problems with it, but it is having a negative effect. Side effect. It's almost like um, if your job is working on computers, what are some side effects? Well, once you stare at a computer too long all day, your head starts to hurt, right? Etc. If you talk for a living, some of the negative side effects to that are your voice starts to go out. If the only people that are capable of, well, no, that's the birth rate. What the, we're talking about marriage on this. I'm sorry, I jumped ahead. If this is to be read true data, it would appear as though. Women are more of a factor in the marriage rate declining because women are becoming less and less interested in becoming married. There's also the whole and you just had this with the, you know, uh, the whatever, the same sex marriage act that they just passed, which, by the way, did nothing except open up religious organizations, churches, uh, people of faith, et cetera, up to persecution for not wanting to participate. But I digress. This whole new thing of moral decay in our society, of this non-married cohabitation, that is a big deal. And I actually have known people that have been together. I know a couple that have been together for 20 years that just got married and, you know, I mean, I just, I don't understand it. I don't understand why. And it's truly because there's a lot of people that just think of marriage as a legal document. It is just a piece of paper. It doesn't mean anything. It just means that somebody gets half your junk when you die or it doesn't work out, et cetera. This is a decline in a thought process in our society, but it doesn't end there. So, In 2020, the national general fertility rate was down 15.9% from its average over the decade ending in 2010, with 10 states experiencing reductions exceeding 20%. I would imagine that New York, California, places like that are probably in that 20%. So here's another thing, and this is a direct correlation to this, okay? And ladies, not hitting on you are no, not hating on you i'm definitely not hating on you i'm not hating on you but listen to me here why is the u.s birth rate declining observations have suggested that a variety of potential factors are responsible for the decline including greater take up of highly effective contraception okay maybe The high cost of raising children. Okay. Inflation things starting to play a role. People don't want to bring the kids into the world because they're not sure they can afford them. But here we go. Improved occupational opportunities for women and the high level of student debt carried by young adults. So again, ladies, I'm not hating on you here. I'm asking questions. Okay. So if The drop in the marriage rate in America, they're saying primarily major factors, it said. This is not my words. This is the Hill reporting. Major factors is female education and labor force participation. And then the U.S. birth rate declining. Major factors or potential factors in this one, it says, could be improved occupational opportunities for women. Interesting. That is, that, is, that is interesting stuff here. Now, again, I say I have no problems with women being in the workforce. Go get it. I am all about it. But this is something that people need to pay attention to. There, there, there comes a point, and this is, this is something I had a conversation with someone the other day about a married couple not wanting to have kids. And, you know, my thought process of that is I believe that there are certain pillars of marriage Uh, The first pillar is the covenant with God. Second pillar is the companionship of marriage. The third pillar being monogamy with one partner. And then the third being reproducing and becoming even more selfless and contributing to the world uh, moving forward. Uh, We just talked about the drop in the birth rates right there. I don't understand getting involved in marriage and automatically like cutting off one of the legs of the chairs that you're trying to sit in in marriage okay so think of marriage like a chair chair's got four legs on it okay or a stool even stool's got four legs on it think of marriage like a stool okay you got two people sitting on both sitting on stools together in marriage but you're going to cut one of the legs off the stool well, that kind of that kind of doesn't work, right and, and so I don't really understand this whole well, we want to get married, but we're not really sure if we want to have kids. I just truly believe that and this is something that only people who have children can say having kids is hard, okay, I'm not going to lie about that it's difficult it's it's tough, but it does add a quality to your life that is. It's non. you can't explain it. You can't put it into words. And so it's one of those joys. Is it hard at times? Absolutely. But it's one of those joys that I think people are robbing themselves of, honestly, due to selfish reasons. You know, we want to spend time with each other. We want to see the world. We want to have adventures first. I'm working on my career right now. Those are by very definition, selfish mindsets. Are they bad, selfish mindsets? I'm not saying that, but they are selfish mindsets in that regard. I want to work on my career. That is something you want to do that directly relates to you. Well, who are you trying to improve the life of? You're not married and you don't want kids. Well, you're trying to improve your life. That is inherently a selfish thing. Are all selfish intentions? Not bad. No. Is it selfish to want to live and survive? No. But when you get married, one of the fundamental pillars of marriage is selflessness towards someone else. Well, then when you have children, you become even more selfless and it does in fact enrich your life. But the decline in numbers does not stop there. American membership in houses of worship, in layman's term, people that go to church, has now dropped below 50% for for the first time in Gallup's eight-decade trend. So for the past 80 years, church attendance has been dropping. Back in the 1940s, 73% of Americans attended church regularly. What is it today? And to be blunt, it is declining quickly. 47% of people say that they attend church, belong to a church, synagogue, or mosque. So this is religion across all boards. Christianity is the worst among all of them. We're seeing a tear down of the fabric of our society. Everything, you know, what else was higher in the nineteen forties? Birth rates. You know, what else was higher in the nineteen forties? Uh, marriages. Uh, you know, what was less in the nineteen forties? Divorce rates. Uh, you know, what's higher now? Divorce rates. So not only do you have lower marriage rates, you have higher divorce rates. Not only do we have less births, but the births we do have are being raised by single parents. Or being raised in a, in a home where parents aren't married. Yes, I, I don't think that's right. And now we're seeing all of this moral decay. We're seeing all this cognitive decay. We're seeing all of the repercussions of suppression of speech. And we're seeing a culture that realizes that the elections and our government is d- corrupt. And honestly, the dice are loaded and the game is rigged. And we're seeing it transform into every aspect of our lives. Those of us who believe in faith, family, children, freedom, uh, we are dwindling because we are becoming frustrated and burnt out, etc. And the newer generations are embracing this sense of, I don't even have to leave my house. I'm literally just existing in four walls and I'll go out in the virtual space and I'll talk to people on Twitter and the internet. Uh, I'll have all my groceries delivered. I never need to go anywhere. I'll just have beer. If you're in Texas, beer can be delivered straight to your door. You don't have to do anything except exist until your number is called. And then you leave because most people now believe that nothing happens after you die. The decline in the things that we used to hold dear is now leading to the increase of the things that are actually hurting us. And I think that's very interesting. I think that there's a lot of people that are experiencing burnout. I know myself, I'm struggling with that burnout, man, I've fighting these battles for so long. And it just seems like, you know, we take one step forward and two steps back, or honestly, we take one step forward and then fall completely down the mountain and have to start again But all of these trends tell a very clear message and a very clear story. One, humans need actual physical human interaction. Okay, humans need to be able to express who they really are. And they need people in their lives that they can be who they really want to be. I'm not stupid. We all have our out in public persona, right? We all do. Now, some people's out-in-public personas is even more different than our personas at home, and some people's it's a little bit less. But we all got our put-on-your-face-you're-out-in-public persona, right? Uh, at work, we've all got our put-on-our-face persona. On your first date, <laughs> how you act on your first date is not who you actually are. It, it may be your best attributes, but it is not who you are on a daily basis. Marriage is when you find out who people really are and you're living with like the, all right, chill out, you know, kind of thing. We need that. We also are learning that this whole, this whole purpose of focusing on money, selfish uh, desires of power in the workplace, career uh, schedules, all of these things that lead to selfish desires, which I'm not saying are bad in principles. There's nothing wrong with wanting to have a good work ethic. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to have a career and be able to take care of your family, not just take care of yourself. The decline in birth rates. That's crazy, man. I mean, there would used to be I mean, you used to be able to count on a couple things. Death, taxes, people gonna have kids. The birth rate is declining by twenty percent in some places. That's a that's a lot of babies. That's a lot of kids, man. Elon Musk has talked about this. The birth rate is gonna make it non-sustainable for human society if we don't start having more kids. Like it's not it's nuts to think about. And then you go to what is causing all of these things? Well, it is the decline of going to church because church values, especially Christian values, all promote these things or anti these things. They're very pro community, physical community, literally with people to hold you accountable to a moral high standard. They are pro marriage between a man and a woman, the real definition of marriage, and they are pro being fruitful and multiplying and teaching them the ways of the Lord etc all of these things are not coincidental all of these things go towards what we're seeing in election cycles they go towards what we're seeing within our society and the decay there of and the answer is simple we must turn back to God we must go away and remove ourselves from self ish tendencies and move to self less tendencies. We need to move more towards a kingdom mindset instead of a, uh, I don't know, a build your own empire mindset. And we must turn back the, the, the dial almost on this direction that we are going. The only way to write the ship is to go counter the way that the ship is going and the way the ship is going is not the way that human beings society and a godless society or a god fearing society goes we're heading towards a godless society and you are seeing the repercussions of that that's all i have for this episode i hope that that was insightful for you as it was for me it was one of those kind of whoa moments for me when i saw that but that's all i have for this episode i hope you guys have a fantastic day Make sure to subscribe to this podcast. Make sure to tell your friends. And thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you all again next time.